even passively take part. And you've got to put your bodies upon the gears and upon the wheels, upon the levers, upon all the apparatus, and you've got to make it stop. All right, we are back. Back and better than ever. The Comic Book Revolution Podcast. That's right. That's right. Your host, Rock, alongside me, the Adam Sandler to my Drew Barrymore, Stephen. <laughs> How you doing, my friend? Uh, I'm doing all right. We're in year five of quarantine, it feels like, but we're, uh, <laughs> we're still here, so yeah. that's good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we are. As as Longtime uh, followers of the revolution will know we we last uh, released an episode of the Comic Revolution podcast in March of 2020, right before the world ended as we knew it. Yeah. Um, and there are many oh, reasons yeah. why it's taken us this long. <laughs> uh, I'll shoulder most of the blame, Stephen. Uh, the pandemic has been very hard on me mentally and emotionally. And I just haven't had the. Uh, I just haven't had it to do a podcast. I haven't really done many reviews. I've had to lean on Kevin, who has been a champ. Kevin over at comicbookrevolution.com has been cranking out review after review, doing some really good work during the pandemic. And thank goodness for Kevin. Because I, Stephen, I don't know, man. I just, I didn't have it. I just wasn't mentally there. I couldn't do reviews. Couldn't do, I just, I don't know. I just couldn't do it. It was too much for me. I wasn't ready. So uh, when I decided, yeah. you know, I, and I, you know, Everyone reacts to pandemics differently, I guess. <laughs> but, but you know, once I started getting, once I realized even that uh, this is never ending, uh, I figured I just had to, you know, just kind of start doing things to uh, make myself feel better. And one of them is, is obviously the podcast. And, uh, yep. and of course, we have a different studio set up. I've got new equipment. We're doing, th we're able to do things, uh, you know, remotely. And I think the sound quality is pretty good. Um, if anyone has feedback on the sound quality, let me know. But otherwise, I think we've got a pretty good setup. And Stephen and I decided we would take this opportunity, kicking off a new season after such a long hiatus, that we would kind of change things up, <laughs> right? Change up how we would do the podcast. And uh, longtime listeners know that Stephen and I normally would review three to four comics from DC, three to four comics from Marvel, and then maybe we'd hit some, you know, news from the latest going on in, in, in movies from Universal or Disney or Sony, Marvel Studios, Lucasfilm, you know, other stuff like that. You know, typical what, what's going on in the, the world of uh, nerd and geek universe. Mm -hmm. We decided what we were going to do from now on is kind of, you know, neither Steve and I really read comic books that much anymore. Really, because Marvel and DC just isn't that good. I don't know what to say. I read a lot of manga, <laughs> and I've started posting reviews of manga over at comicrevolution.com. But as far as DC mm -hmm. and Marvel, I think you and I both, Stephen, we're just, I don't know, just not a lot there to really get me excited. I don't want to speak for you. <laughs> I mean, it, yeah, nothing that I need to... Uh, <clears throat> I'm at the place where I was a couple of, uh, couple of years ago where I was like, well, is there anything that's... I need to read right now. No. Right. And so if somebody comes up and it's like a couple of years later, Hey, this was really good. Then I'll be like, okay, then I'll read it then. But exactly. Don't need to read it right now. <laughs> I, and that's kind of where I am too, you know? So we decided, yeah. well, let's, let's, let's use the comic relation podcast and do some kind of deep dives into various topics and kind of branch out into other areas of the, uh, geek universe 
go into mm -hmm. more into movies, more into streaming uh, TV shows, more into, um, you know, various franchises and just kind of, you know, whatever, whatever strikes our fancy, whatever the big topic of the week or the month is really kind of deep dive into stuff. And nope. some topics we're thinking about doing is, you know, comparing manga with comic books, those two different industries and why one is having more success currently than the other. Uh, deep dive into Star Wars, deep dive into anything, you know, Marvel Studios uh, going forward with Disney Plus. I mean, there's all sorts of stuff to talk about, uh, believe me. So we figured we would begin with the biggest, meatiest, juiciest thing. And that would be Star Wars, because boy, is there a lot to unpack with Star Wars. Mm. And yep. uh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. So we decided we would kind of break it up into three parts, make it easy for everyone mm -hmm. to consume. And I feel like in order to really understand where and because we all know at the Disney Investors Day, they just unloaded an ungodly amount of Star Wars stuff on us. I mean, wow. My head was swimming. Yeah. <laughs> so in order to really to, to take take a look at what they're doing now or in the near future, where they might be going, I think we first have to hit pause and really look at where Disney has come with Star Wars from 2012 to now. Because mm -hmm. really what's happened in the past eight years is really going to shape what we're, where we're going to go in the future. I mean, a lot of things have happened yeah. in the past eight years. And so I, the first part, we're going to do an overview of the successes because Disney's had successes. I know everybody wants to rag on Disney and their handling of Star Wars, yeah. but the fact is they, they have had successes, people. They have, they have made money, okay? It's not, they, oh, yeah. they didn't lose <laughs> money on this purchase, okay? <laughs> so uh, look at the successes that they've had. And, of course, look at the <laughs> failures because these are yeah. this is what's going to shape them going forward. And then mm -hmm. part two, we're going to examine the present and upcoming projects that we know about in all forms of media. That's Disney Plus, theatrical releases, comics, books, video games, mm -hmm. the whole thing. And yeah. then part three, Steve and I are going to put our uh, thinking caps on and we're going to... <laughs> Try to formulate what is the best path forward for Disney handling the Star Wars franchise, especially in light of the pandemic, which it's not going away. So yeah. this is something Disney has to keep in their calculations for the next couple of years, Stephen. It's going to it is going mm -hmm. to influence how people travel, how people spend their money, mm -hmm. where people are comfortable going. It, it is going to make a big impact. So right. th those are three three parts that we're going to break this down. But first, Stephen, my friend, let's go back in time, shall we? Shall we go back in time? Shall we go back in time to 2012? Oh, Disney. Oh, Disney oh. purchases Lucasfilm. And the first mm -hmm. thing they do, Stephen, is they put Kathleen Kennedy in charge, who actually was the person that George Lucas mm -hmm. wanted in charge. Kathleen Kennedy had a long yeah. history with George Lucas, a long history with uh, Steven Spielberg. And mm -hmm. he wanted her in charge. And look, uh, we, we, we may say some critical things about Kathleen Kennedy, but don't make, don't get confused. She does have obvious talents and skills. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. They, they may not be at, at, at creating stories per se, but as far as <laughs> running a studio, the woman has talents, so we, we let's be upfront yeah. about that. Okay, she's not an incompetent boob, all right? And I think sometimes people want to no. paint her with that brush. She's not incompetent, people. She, she knows the business aspect. She may not know the story aspect. I, I'll grant you that, but mm -hmm. 
the business side of things, she's, she's no she's no dummy. Uh, so uh, she's been put in charge in 2012. And mm-hmm. the first thing she does is assemble her Lucasfilm story group, Stephen. Mm-hmm. Lucasfilm story group that she creates is entirely female. And she puts Kiri right. Hart in charge of the story group. And this goes along with Kathleen Kennedy. She was not shy about this. The force is female. That was the rallying cry mm-hmm. for Kathleen Kennedy and her story group when they first came in power. Right. And it's unusual uh, in modern America to see a organization comprised completely all of one group. That's highly mm-hmm. unorthodox. <laughs> Usually yeah. groups are, are, are representative of the, of the uh, populace. <laughs> Kathleen said not this, not so much uh, the all group, mm-hmm. the all female group. Their goal was to tell quote, beautiful stories, fulfill the expectations of loyal fans and create meaningful female characters, period. End quote, Steven, it's right there. It's, it's, it's literally in your mission statement. It's not to make money. It's yeah. not to entertain the masses. It's not to come up with cool characters and cool stories. It was specifically to create meaningful female characters. Like it's, it's in your mission statement, which is mm-hmm. fine. I don't know if star Wars is really the franchise that first comes to mind for that particular, but whatever, fine. <laughs> that's, that's the direction they, they went with. And yeah. what happened was the star Wars growers at Lucasfilm that were still there, the long timers, right. That were still there when the purchase happened, they kind of were mm-hmm. pushed to the side by Kathleen Kennedy and weren't really mm-hmm. involved in any major decisions. Uh, Dave Filoni would be one of those members. He was kind of just shunted mm-hmm. off to the side, which is mind blowing yeah. that you would shunt David Filoni off to the side on anything having to do with Star Wars. But be that as it may, uh, <laughs> Kathleen brought in writers like Carrie Beck, Rain Roberts, who are part of the Star Wars group who had no connection with Star Wars whatsoever beforehand. And mm-hmm. the all female story group would have their campfire meetings to talk about female characters and being central to the new Star Wars. Mm-hmm. And Kennedy would pitch this pitch this to Iger by saying, "Hey, we're gonna bring girls in to buy all that merchandise and consumer products and toys. And guess what, Disney? You're gonna be able to sell double, double everything." Yeah. Except that's not how it worked out. Yeah. Well, you know, Marvel had already brought them the male demos they had lacked before, so now they could just say, "Well, we got everybody. Like, right. Come on." Right. It's, uh, to someone like Bob Iger, who also doesn't really care about story or anything like that, right? Sounds perfect. Bingo! It's like a great pitch. You got it. So. You got it. You got it. Uh, <laughs> hey, look, Kennedy knew who her audience was with that pitch, <laughs> mm-hmm. and so yeah, she was a producer. She definitely knows. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so you, what you had was in the beginning there, you had a lot of hostility toward the male. And let's be honest, the George Lucas Star Wars mm-hmm. was a fairly male-dominated narrative. I don't think that's controversial to say. It, it, it was. Yeah, that's true. And, yeah. and nothing wrong. Don't, I'm not criticizing it. I'm just saying that's what it was. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, yeah. I love I love the original Star Wars, so I could care less. It's a great story. But that's what it was. And that's <laughs> and Kennedy and her story, they, they didn't like that. And, and emblematic mm-hmm. of this male-dominated patriarchy was Luke Skywalker. Never mind yeah. he's played by Mark Hamill, who is super lefty. Luke Skywalker was like evil, persona non grata in the story group. And as a matter of fact, they had, they had pictures uh, of, uh, of Annie Gutierrez at Lucas, as Lucasfilm story groups offices with photo of Luke Skywalker with a red X through his face. Like, why would you have that on an official channel? Like hide that, hide your bias. Yeah. Uh, oh my God. I know. 
<laughs> and so it, it gets a little painful for a while there. Uh, you know, yeah. Kathleen hires J.J. Abrams to do The Force Awakens and instructs him, obviously, mm-hmm. the protagonist is going to be female. Same thing with um, with uh, Rogue One. Same thing. Your, your protagonist, which, again, they got their marching yeah. orders. That's what they, that's really what they thought was the mm-hmm. smart direction to go into. And yeah. so... Kathleen Kennedy and her story group really actively through The Force Awakens, through Last Jedi, they did their best to dismantle George Lucas's Star Wars. That was their goal. Dismantle mm-hmm. it all and yeah. remake Star Wars in Kennedy's image. That's what she wanted. And nobody at mm-hmm. Disney was saying she was wrong to do so. Let's be clear. Iger wasn't right. stepping in. Okay. Well, at that point. And I would also and I would also like to add at that at this point in time. Now, 2012 was a long time ago. Um, if you still looked up stuff about Star Wars on the internet, there were yeah. still people that loved the sh- crap on the prequels. Oh yeah, 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 like, yeah. That was the prevailing, yes. the prevailing thought about that. So yes, for someone to say we need to do it over, basically, right. at the time it makes sense. It did. Now that changed, right? Now before the Force Awakens comes out, they kind of had a little rehabilitation process. Yeah, so, those those prequels you know. are are Stephen. It's crazy. My sons both uh, mm-hmm. uh, firmly in Gen Z. You know, they're they're thirteen and 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 sixteen. God, I'm mm-hmm. struggling to remember the ages of my own children. The pandemic has ruined my brain, Stephen. <laughs> so anyhow, they, but I can tell you uh, that age group, um, they don't look at the prequels like you or I might. Yeah. They, oh yeah, absolutely. They, for, they grew up with the Clone Wars cartoon. They love mm-hmm. the Clone Wars cartoon. They like yeah. they like Episode Two. They like Episode Three. Like the prequels yeah. are not. In 2012, you're right. It was a much different view than it is right now. I would agree mm-hmm. with you. I would agree with you. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I love Episode Two as well, but that's because it's so bad that it makes me laugh. You know, <laughs> yeah. I just watch it and I have a smile on my face the whole time. Right, but, right. You know, it's diff- it's different now. Like people, <laughs> unironically like, like that movie. Yes, which is so odd. I but, know, but it's true. Right? <laughs> <laughs> um, so here yeah. we have, uh, you know, Kennedy remaking Star Wars in her image, and you can see it. It's it's. Mm-hmm. I don't think they were very subtle, Stephen. I don't think no. they were. Uh, you look at the resistance in 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 the Force Awakens and Last Jedi. The resistance is it's it's basically all female. The power structure is G- General Leia is on top, Vice Admiral Amalyn Holdo, Lord Dern's character, number two. You got the Commander Larma Diasi, who is Amanda Lawrence's character, the lesbian commander of the, all the ground forces. She's kind of like number three, and then, and then you of course you had Ray, who is pretty much a baller from the second she realized she had maybe some kind of force powers. She was like better than Darth Vader. So they weren't hiding the ball there. And on the other side, the male characters, you had Finn who was really, he was a walking punchline, Steven. He was a complete clown. They never took him seriously and they never gave him any kind of storyline or let that character grow at all, at all. They did that character dirty. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, especially the fact that he was advertised as being the main character. Thank you. He was going to be the new Jedi. He was going to be, you know, all this. And then... Womp womp. Nope. Yeah. You're gone. <laughs> it's like, don't you love that twist we threw in there? I'm like, not really. <laughs> not really. Not really a good I twist. Like... And then you yeah, had... It's like, I, I liked him. I liked him a lot in the, in the first one. Yes. But that's because we thought they were going somewhere with it. And right. Then, 
and then nothing, <laughs> nothing. That character, they did nothing with it. And he, he, he was just, he was a clown, basically. He was there for you to laugh. And uh, then you had Poe, who was... He was the token minority. Well, they had two. We two had two. token minorities. Yes, yeah. Very progressive. Very, very yeah. indeed. And neither of them got any kind of character work. Poe, is he's basically no. a dope. He's there to be cucked by Leah and Holdo, which is essentially what happened through all, throughout the second movie. I mean, he he, yeah. he he never rises above being just your dutiful golden retriever. Mm-hmm. That, that's Pretty really much. all he... Uh, he has nothing to his character and nothing to his story. Uh, and of no real importance. Yeah, he's there to... S- He's there to spit one-liners. Mm-hmm. That's right. As well. That's right. Uh, you had Kylo Ren, who is basically an immature brat who you never take seriously, who has no gravitas whatsoever. You view him as like, yeah. oh, that guy's a loser. He loses to Ray, literally after she mm-hmm. had no training and just gotten her powers, and this dude's been training his whole life, and he gets beaten by her automatically. Like, yeah. there's nothing about that character you would take seriously at all. Mm-hmm. And he comes across like a dope. He does. He's emo. Uh, and then, of course, yeah. <laughs> Luke Skywalker. They basically turn him into, you know, a bitter loser hermit who turns his back on everything. Han Solo, he, mm-hmm. let's be honest, he's a deadbeat dad with a failed marriage. Yeah. I, he's nope. basically exactly where he was in episode four, except yeah. from how he went backwards. Yes. It's, yeah, it's not. So they didn't hide the ball there with how with the characters they gave us. <laughs> no, they did not. <laughs> uh, so then what happens in 2015, Stephen, the story... It's all about The Force Awakens. It's about to come out. I mean, the buzz is huge. Okay, Disney thinks mm-hmm. they're sitting on a gold mine, and so they ramp up the toy line because, let's be honest, mm-hmm. Star Wars made toys what they were. Uh, you know, before mm-hmm. before Star Wars came out, toys weren't uh, were on a totally different level. When Star Wars came out and the Star Wars toys mm-hmm. came out, then everybody wanted to have toys linked to a movie or a franchise or a cartoon or something like that. And so yeah. uh, Hasbro signed uh, a huge deal at Disney for about $224 million over 10 years. Uh, analysts were projecting Disney would earn, would sell about $3 billion of toys in 2015 or consumer you know, mm-hmm. products in 2015, growing to $5 billion in 2016. Stephen, this didn't happen either. Uh, <laughs> so, <laughs> Star Wars... <laughs> Star Wars Episode Seven: The Force Awakens comes out December 18 of 2015, and Stephen, it just ripped the box office in half. I mean, just ripped yeah. it in half. It earned slightly more than two billion dollars. Okay, mm-hmm. um, two billion sixty-eight million in change yeah. in the world box office. <laughs> That's insane. I mean, at the time, that was just like yeah. mind blowing. Okay. However, mm-hmm. the toy sales. Did well because you had pent up consumer demand in the beginning. A lot of adult collectors who mm-hmm. wanted to hop aboard new Star Wars merchandise, but it right. it dropped quickly. It didn't have the long life and staying mm-hmm. power. You saw a lot of toys on pegs. They made more than they could sell. They overestimated mm-hmm. the demand, <clears throat> and then yeah. uh, because of this massive box office, Stephen Kennedy approaches Iger about his plans for Star Wars Galaxy's Edge in Disneyland and Disney World that is now being formulated, yeah. right? She convinces him to drop his plans to make the star, the two Star Wars lands uh, uh, kind of a mashup of the prequels and the, and, and the originals and maybe some from the sequels, right? Mm-hmm. But kind of a mashup. Drop that yeah. and build it 
only consisting of the sequel timelines and characters. Specifically, uh, mm-hmm. between episode eight and nine is, is what they ended up choosing, but that's what she wanted. No, no, right. You focus only on the sequel timeline and characters, period. And Iger was like, well, we just made over $2 billion with The Force Awakens, right. so I'm all in on that. Not a problem. And at that point, Iger yeah. ordered all of Walt Disney Imagineering. Walt Disney Imagineering is the group that is uh, in charge of creating all the wonderful theme parks and rides that you like. That's who does it. Mm-hmm. Walt Disney Imagineering was then told that all their plans for Galaxy's Edge for both parks had to be run through Kiri Hart and her Lucasfilm story group. Mm-hmm. Now, we go back. Next thing up is Rogue One, A Star Wars Story. It was released mm-hmm. a little, over, uh, little under a year later, December 16, 2016. And that yeah. one was considered a small Star Wars movie because it was not attached to the trilogy. So Disney right. had much lower expectations, kind of like how when Marvel Studios mm-hmm. released Ant-Man, they're not expecting Avengers numbers. Right. And this movie made about uh, $1 billion, $56 million and change, which is very mm-hmm. good world box office. Yeah. That's really good. Disney was in, was very happy because it was a small movie. Now, if that had been mm-hmm. a sequ- if that had been one of the trilogy movies, they would not have been happy. And put a yeah. pin in that. Uh, what was neat about Rogue One, a Star Wars story, was that it kind of went in the same direction of John Favreau's Mandalorian, in that mm-hmm. they included Saw Gerrera from the Star Wars: The Clone Wars cartoon. Mm-hmm. It had the ghost yeah. ship from Star Wars Rebels in it. It mm-hmm. had it. They name dropped Hera Syndulla from Star Wars Rebels. So while mm-hmm. it was no doubt it was all new characters in a new story, they were still plucking stuff from Rebels and Clone mm-hmm. Wars that were two popular cartoons with fans and kind of sprinkling it in there, right? Which is very similar mm-hmm. to the approach Favreau took versus what the sequels took. Mm-hmm. Um, and Rogue One, I liked, I know you liked Rogue One. Yeah, I liked it, all right. That's I mean, it wasn't good. the best Star Wars movie ever, but I mean, compared well, to the no, compared to the not. sequels, it was, okay, <laughs> compare episodes... Uh, you know, seven, eight, nine to to Rogue One. Which one did you like more? Yeah, uh, Rogue One, definitely. Yeah, me too. Me yeah. too. Me too. Agreed. <laughs> yeah, I think they have some they have some similar weaknesses. At least I think so. But yeah. I think the the stuff that's good about it, like out, you know, outweighs it ultimately. You know, I agree. I agree. Uh, at now the next thing up after Rogue One came out, you had Star Wars Battlefront Two. It was being worked on and was released mm-hmm. on November 17, 2017, before Last Jedi was released. Was that Battlefront 1 or 2? That's Battlefront 2. 2, okay. Yeah, mm-hmm. Battlefront, uh, yeah. it sold about 9 million units, which was about a 1 million units less than what EA had expected to sell. It was uh, mm-hmm. much less than the 14 million that Star Wars Battlefront 1 sold in its 2016 right. fiscal year. Okay. Okay. Yep. There you go. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, So, and you know, it's EA. So that's a whole other, that's a whole other bag of complaints. (laughs) That's a whole, that's a whole other podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Of course, then a month later, just under a month later, Star Wars episode eight, the last Jedi comes out December 15, 2017. And -hmm. it gets you 1,332,000,000 in change. So, Last Jedi earns mm-hmm. about $276 million more than Rogue One, which was considered a small movie with a small box office. And Last yeah. Jedi earned $735 million less than Force Awakens. That is, a, that is 45% less. Uh, 
this signals mm-hmm. this signaled problems. This signaled problems at Lucasfilm. Mm-hmm. Not only did you have a much lower box office, and the second week drop off was like a cliff. I mean, it mm-hmm. fell off a cliff in the second week. That was alarming. But even more alarming was the internal struggle inside Lucasfilm and the external reaction of the fans. The internal struggle mm-hmm. you had Last Jedi, it, it just broke totally from The Force Awakens. It was like, did mm-hmm. anyone have, did, was anybody working off a master plan when they made these two movies? Because it doesn't seem like you were. Um, yeah. And <laughs> what happened was Rian Johnson had met with Kiri Hart and her, sto- her Lucasfilm story group in private to plan a complete detour from The Last Jedi. And J.J. Abrams, he wasn't aware of what's going on. So you got one side of of the company not talking to the other side of the company. And this is a kind of a continuing Mm -hmm. trend as we move forward, Stephen. Yeah, it is. Um, And I'll say about that, I remember remember you and I had these discussions. I never thought it was going to make $2 million. $2 billion at the time was like a super like, oh my God. That was before Avengers. Right, before the Avengers ones came out. And, um, but the fact that it didn't make 1.5, 1.8, maybe. Yeah. Something that, that is definitely a concerning trend. And this is the one, this is the one that, that broke star Wars effectively. Like, yes. like people had complaints about the force awakens. They I, did. I definitely did. No, no, you're right. I enjoyed it overall. I thought it was okay. Um, but then after this, it was like, you can never talk about star Wars and, society ever again because <laughs> like yeah. you'll you'll just get jumped by somebody yeah. you know like somebody's <laughs> gonna feel one way somebody's gonna feel a different way you have the absolute haters you have the absolute lovers you had people who kind of liked it and they were all they all hated each other like nobody could get along about it you'd get and, cut huh <laughs> yeah you, it's it was just it was it was really bad it's it's still really bad like yes. in a lot of ways and it's Oh, it was it was so bad. <laughs> I, I cannot overemphasize how badly this movie just cracked everything apart. And I mean, the cracks were kind of there. You had the yeah. original trilogy fans who hated the prequels, and the right. prequel fans who yes, oh, those see originals are you know there's just old and blah blah blah. The right. people who just watched the cartoons. Yep, yep. But it was never this bad. Before. No, 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 and not at all. And holy crap, it's like I never wanted to talk about Star Wars again after that. I was like, I agree. I didn't like the movie. Like, let's just move on. Yeah, but, yeah. I would rather oh, talk about religion yeah. or politics, Stephen, than I would Last Jedi. <laughs> that, that's how bad it was. That's how bad it was yeah. back in uh, back in 2017 or 2018. That's how bad it was. <laughs> yeah. Well, and the problem is that there's too many people who view Star Wars like religion or like politics. Bingo. So <laughs> This isn't fun anymore. I don't want to talk about Star Wars. (laughs) And you put your finger on it. It was not becoming fun anymore at all. Uh, Mm -hmm. More problems were coming internally. Colin uh, Trevorrow was writing Mm -hmm. the screenplay for episode nine. And he was stunned when he found out that Luke was killed off in the script of episode eight. And so uh, Colin's like, "I I I need Luke for episode nine. And Carrie Hart mm-hmm. and Kathleen Kennedy were like, uh, no, you don't get him. Yeah. And so Trevorrow, he wrote a different idea that would have resurrected Luke as a force ghost and had all the mm-hmm. old Jedi coming together to help Ray defeat the Sith forever. This leaked out 
later this leaked out what he had planned. Oh, okay, yeah. we didn't know at the time, but this leaked out much later. This leaked out, and yeah. any any you can what, find his his script for that on the internet somewhere. One of the drafts, I think it's like you the are second correct. or whatever. The second draft, yeah. And um, yeah, it's out there. Oh yeah, and it's better. It's better than what we got. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Kennedy, of course, ends up firing Trevorrow because he wasn't going to play ball with her and really wanted to, to, to change things up and use Luke. So yeah. she, she, Kennedy was and not having it. Uh, and let's also remember at the time she hired Colin Trevorrow because he did Jurassic world and that made it like a shit ton of money. Yes. And so like, Oh, we gotta get, we gotta get this guy. And he was Spielberg's protege. So, you know, her old pal calls her up and says, yes. Hey, get this guy. And then I don't know if this was the case. This is what most pop culture people assumed. Mm-hmm. He had released a movie um, the same year as The Last Jedi called uh, The Book of Henry that was, it was awful. It was okay. a terrible movie, bombed at the box office. I mean, it's one of those, like, I think it's a fascinating bad movie, but it's right. so bad. And it was like, like a month after that, they found out he'd been kicked off. Uh, okay. And so it's like, mm. yeah. But, you know, yeah, uh-huh. it's not good to have a, a punchline in the media be your the front man for your next big movie. Right. But so, you know, it's, it, it could have been a lot of things. Yes. You know, you never agreed. Know. Agreed. Agreed. <laughs> so what happens now is you've got the internal troubles and, and externally, mm-hmm. like you said, last Jedi, just it destroyed the star Wars fan base. I mean, I don't know how else to put it. Mm-hmm. It just did for the first time. Yeah. There was, I mean, they, they, look, there might've been, there were, there were complaints about the prequels, Steven, I remember yeah. when the prequels came out. I remember some of the complaints. Let me tell you what, brother. It was nothing compared no. to the pushback that happened from mm-hmm. the fan base after. I mean, nothing compared to the pushback after Last Jedi. Yeah. It was horrible. Mark Hamill was disgusted with his role in Episode Eight, and as mm-hmm. time passed, got more and more and more vocal about it as well. <laughs> yeah, of uh, the box office results, not as good. The merchandise revenue just fell off a cliff that that and yeah. that might have alarmed Disney more than anything else because Star yeah. Wars is just known for merchandise. And unfortunately Kennedy and Johnson and Lucasfilm story group didn't handle it the right way. They got defensive and immediately yeah. attacked the fans and blamed them, which is never yeah. uh, put it this way. It's, it's almost never a good idea to, in, to attack your customer and blame your customer. Right. Mm-hmm. It's that's a bad idea. Unless you want to go out yeah. of business, then then you go ahead. But I mean, that's a bad that's a bad move. And then yeah. Iger and the Disney executives, they were horrified because you gotta remember, Stephen, up till now, that's not how Disney operates. From from the mm-hmm. days of Walt Disney, the man himself, on mm-hmm. Disney had always enjoyed extremely loyal customers and fans. I mean, extremely loyal. They had enjoyed getting nothing but love from their Disney fans all throughout the decades. I mean, Disney was synonymous with being with, with loyalty, love, uh, in a happy place. It, it 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 had built up the kind of rapport with its fan base that few companies had. Okay, and on top of that, and and, and that existed not just in the movies and TV shows, but I'm talking in their theme parks. I mean, they are people are yeah. insanely loyal about the theme parks, uh, the resorts. Mm-hmm. People are over the moon for the resorts, the Disney Cruise Line. Stephen, it's mm-hmm. cult like the following that the Disney Cruise Lines have. Even even on people who don't like care about Disney movies and stuff, 
they were just cruise fans, they are nuts yeah. for Disney Cruise Lines because they're the best cruise lines in the world. They just are. So they enjoyed mm-hmm. in multiple arenas, not just entertainment, but in resorts and parks and cruise lines, they enjoyed a reputation mm-hmm. of being loved by people. Yeah. And that wasn't happening. Yeah. And on top of and it, I would also, um, if I could just, yeah. Cause I, I remember reading about this right before the last Jedi came out, there was that story that broke about, uh, basically, I think it was the Los Angeles times did that piece on how like Disney basically controls the towns where, Disneyland and Disney World are. Oh, they do. Control- Disney was not yes. happy about that at all. And there's that big like yeah. uproar about we're going to ban your critics from our movies or whatnot. Yeah. And then everybody kind of oh, yeah. turned on. And it's like, well, it's like, so they already had bad PR going into mm-hmm. The Last Jedi. Mm-hmm. And then the movie happened. Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay, this is not a good time to be like, they, they had to do a lot of damage control after that. Yes. Because, you know, yes. it's. For a company that likes to be loved, you know, I mean, they, I mean, they show who they really are, you know. Oh boy! At the time with the, the press, yes, they did not appreciate being called out. No. And then after the Last Jedi, it was even with the fans. It's yeah. like, okay, now everybody doesn't like us. We have to do something about it because you're, you're correct. It's not good for business. You're you yeah? absolutely. And and look, <laughs> Disney had been getting nothing but love from consumers after they bought Pixar. There was mm-hmm. no they they continued to make Pixar movies and got nothing but love and adoration from the fan base. They bought yeah. Marvel, continued to make Marvel movies, and what yeah. happened? They got nothing but love and adoration from the fan base. They buy Star mm-hmm. Wars, second movie in. Oh, damn. Yeah. <laughs> Landmine. <laughs> yeah. So, the, uh, and, and to further problems, you know, Last Jedi's DVD Blu-ray sales were about half of what The Force Awakens sold. So, yeah. you know, here you had all these bad signs, but Iger and Disney still were clinging to the belief that Star Wars was too big to fail. Remember, you used to hear that? Star Wars, too big to fail, right? Mm-hmm. Mm, yep. Not so I much. I remember that. Not so much. <laughs> so, uh, Disney's 2017 annual reports came out, and mm-hmm. they blamed their lower sales of consumer products partially on Star Wars underperforming. Consumer products were down almost 12% mm-hmm. from 2017 to 2016. One mm-hmm. data firm that tracks shipping containers noted that Star Wars shipping containers were down. The estimate had containers down by about 50% in 2017 compared to previous years. So remember back early in the podcast, we were saying they were analysts were expecting record sales. The opposite mm-hmm. has happened. They are now, mm-hmm. it's now crumbling. Absolutely. This point, this point, <laughs> Stephen, in late 2017, I kind of marked this as the turning point. The turn, mm-hmm. look, this, uh, Lucasfilm is like trying to move Lucas. It's a big studio, right? And Disney's a huge company. Mm-hmm. And Lucasfilm itself is a big studio. And right. to turn anything big, it's like turning a battleship. It takes a while, right? Okay? It, you you start to turn it, you're going to it's going to be a little while before you get it going in the direction you want. Okay? So mm-hmm. Iger I think right when the annual report comes out, things are not good. Fans are upset. Box office is doing poor. And I believe this is the turning where the turning point begins, where Iger first starts to try to turn the ship around. And what we know is this is around the time, 20, late 2017 is around when Iger reaches out to John Favreau to try to come in and fix what he, Iger, believes is a damaged Star Wars brand at this point. 
Right. And Favreau wants a, uh, wants a writer to pair up with him who really knows Star Wars. Mm -hmm. Favreau knows Star Wars, but he wants right. someone who really, really knows it, okay? And Favreau yeah. told Iger, I, yeah, I, you can keep your Lucasfilm story group. I don't want them because those are the idiots who got us in the mess in the mm -hmm. first place, okay? So don't give me them. Right. So what happened was Favreau was uh, paired up with Dave Filoni. Smart mm -hmm. move. And then Favreau retained full autonomy over his project and reported straight to Iger. So this, to me, I think this mm -hmm. is where we first see Iger starting to turn the battleship, right? He now mm -hmm. has someone come in from outside Lucasfilm, pairs him up with Dave Filoni, and says, you report to me, not Kathleen Kennedy. That's the first mm -hmm. sign. Yeah. Then you have, in March 8th, 2018, it's official. Disney officially announces John Favreau will be producing and writing a new live-action Star Wars series for Disney+. Plus. Mm -hmm. Right. Big moment, wouldn't you say, Stephen? This for you. Do you feel like this is kind of the turning moment where you start to see Iger going? I need to make changes. Um, I mean, I personally think the the change started after after Solo. Okay. Because then okay. he had a legit like there was receipts of this right working. I understand. Sure. Um, but I feel like, I mean, Bob Iger, he's not, he's not dumb. So I feel like he, he must've known something was coming beforehand and the drama on Solo is a, a story all on its own. So he may have sensed that something was going on and needed to, need to be corrected. Right. That that movie may not do so well <laughs> because just a few months after they announced John Favreau's, uh, would be doing a show just a mm -hmm. few months later. Solo, a Star Wars story, comes out on May 10th, 2018. And Steven, yeah. oh boy. Oh. It made $392 million in the worldwide box office. Mm -hmm. And for those of you out there, that's that's not good. <laughs> that's that's not good. This movie... Yeah, because... Yeah, you, you, you alluded <laughs> to it. This movie had been plagued yeah. with problems from the start. Kathleen Kennedy fired mm -hmm. Phil Lord and Chris Miller... Uh, Due to creative differences in June of 2017, Lord right. and Miller were the directors of, of, of Solo. And mm -hmm. uh, here it is, June of 2017, only a few weeks left of principal photography, Stephen. Uh, Business Insider was all over this at the time. And it published a pretty cool, a nice article that really went into it. But evidently, yeah. this is a pretty unprecedented move yeah. in the history of Hollywood. To oh, let yeah, go of your directors had, at this point in 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 the production yeah. of the movie. Yeah, they had filmed the entire movie just about, and then they were fired. <laughs> like, that's ridiculous. <laughs> Usually, you wait until reshoots because they did that on Rogue One. Right. They um they got rid of Gareth uh, Gareth Edwards and had uh, Tony Gilroy reshoot the la whole last act of the movie. Correct. This time they just said. Screw that. The reshoots are going to be the whole movie. So whatever budget they say on Wikipedia, that's a lie because they basically shot two movies. You're right about that, Stephen. That, that can't be true. You're right. Them together. You're right. You're right. It's just, it's insane. It, it, it is. Completely insane. Evidently, Lord Miller thought they had uh, creative freedom. And in fact, they did not. Uh, Kathleen Kennedy had uh, uh, complete control over what happened. And she uh, exerted yeah. that control. Evidently, Kennedy mm -hmm. uh, criticized them literally for everything, from the way they shot the movie, yeah. the way that they handled their actors, to the way they 
pretty much everything from top to bottom she criticized and nitpicked right. them. And it's also important that they weren't the only ones that complained, um, or she wasn't the only one that complained. Um, Lawrence Kasdan's son wrote the script. Correct. And Lawrence Kasdan complained because they weren't following his son's script. Mm-hmm. So that's right. Gotta love that nepotism in Hollywood. Yeah, that's a beautiful thing. Isn't it? And <laughs> yeah, and so instead of getting people who had. Um, you know, two really successful, yeah, two really successful properties that they rebooted from scratch. You know, the mm-hmm. Lego Movie and then the Twenty One Jump Street movies. Yep. Who were known for being, you know, uh, for improv, for yes. you know, kind of coming up with stuff on the day, yes. very comedic. Yes. I don't think they hit the ball, Stephen. <laughs> yeah, it's it's like this isn't this isn't a surprise. This you know who you hired. <laughs> yeah, it's. And then, you know, they let them film the whole movie, which from my understanding, I mean, the actors seem to, you know, enjoy being on set with them. Right. Um, and whatnot. And then just, oh, well, Lawrence said he didn't like it. So. Deuces. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, of course. Oh, my God. Kennedy then brought in Ron Howard, who I feel very bad for. I like Ron Howard. Yeah. And uh, that's, that's, a, that's a situation no director really needed to be in. Let's be honest. No, that, that, that's a no-win situation for any director. I don't care who you're talking about. Nope. And so, and he, well, well not, he followed the script. He did follow the script. He he did. He did. Oh, what well, good that did him! <laughs> right off the cliff, he followed that script. Uh, of course. Yeah. <laughs> uh, on uh, on June 4, 2018, Hollywood Reporter published that Solo, a Star Wars story, would lose more than fifty million. Dollars. Steven, the impossible had happened. Mm-hmm. Remember when Disney thought Star Wars was too big to fail? Well, yep. it failed. Uh, Kathleen, yep. uh, you know, the Sto- Solo made uh, was the first Star Wars movie to actually lose money. Steven, this is this is something I would have thought was utterly mm-hmm. impossible to happen. Kathleen Kennedy yeah. had been given the keys to a literal money printing machine that's not an exaggeration star wars mm-hmm. was the ferrari of all movie franchises period end of story it, it just it yeah. just was not not pixar not marvel it, star wars was mm-hmm. she had uh, well she took the keys to that car steven she she drove it off a cliff blew it up dropped the nuclear bomb on it and uh, incinerated the remains walked away power ranger style yeah. tossing the keys <laughs> over her shoulder <laughs> well, putting the sunglasses on after that's right that's right uh of course, you know, Disney was in full spin mode. Lucasfilm was in full mm-hmm. spin mode. Of course, what do they do? They attack the fans because that's their go-to. They attack the fans. If you yeah. don't like our stuff, that means uh, clearly, Stephen, only uh, from what I understand from Lucasfilm, only racists and misogynists uh, don't like their work. That's, that's an interesting tack to take to people who don't like your work, right? To, to yeah. label them odious things and say, well, if you don't like my work, you're just a bad person. Okay. Yeah. Maybe your yeah. work just wasn't very good. <laughs> It's yeah. It's one of those like we we get like those people are definitely out there. Oh no doubt. Very vocal. No doubt like, they're out there. But that's not. I mean, come on. That's 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 not everybody. That's yeah, that's that not everybody. A, that was a basket of deplorables moment. Right. It was. Yeah. Had. Exactly. Uh, it's like, mm. <laughs> yeah, you overplayed your hand. Um, the yeah. they of course you know Iger immediately rolls out the whole fan- franchise fatigue 
excuse, which we know, Stephen, is a myth because why? Marvel Studios had put out something like a zillion Marvel movies in a row, okay? And uh, they weren't suffering from franchise fatigue, okay? It was just some bad movies. And bad movies combined with doing a horrible job handling the press and and your fan base for criticizing you. Mm -hmm. Let's be honest. So I think at this point, Stephen, Disney then, (laughs) this movie bombs. Then at the end of 2018, Disney has to give their 2018 annual financial report that shows consumer products division dropped another 4% from 2018 to 2017. It was down almost right. a total of 16% from 2018 to 2016. And Hasbro's, their earning calls in 2018 showed that licensed toy sales were down 21%. So it just, nothing was turning out. The bot- now, now Iger's like, well, now I, we're not selling the toys and in, in the, in the merchandise. We're doing terrible at the box mm-hmm. office. I have our fan base is angry as hell at us. Mm-hmm. Nothing is working out for me. <laughs> and for me, I think this is where if he was the turning started a little bit earlier, but I think now Iger is really, he's really wrenching on that steering wheel of the battleship. I think mm-hmm. at this point, yeah. because uh, after solo, I think he had lost. I think uh, Iger had lost all confidence in Kenny. There were all sorts of rumors coming out of, of, of executive meetings where he dressed her down and, and all mm-hmm. sorts of stuff was coming out of Hollywood about Iger being pissed and rightfully so. Okay. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, it's the Me Too era. Yeah. Kathleen Kennedy is pretty much the only high-ranking movie exec in Hollywood. Iger can't fire yeah. her. He can't fire her. The PR hit no. would be too much. No. The PR hit would be too brutal for him. Yeah. So he's kind they'd of. They have to have some. They'd have to have like like those emails that uh, tanked Amy Pascal in order to justify yes. firing her. You're absolutely yeah. correct. You're right. So. But even but even she crawled her way back. So yeah. You know, it was like, I think they wanted they wanted to take her power, but they didn't want to lose her to somebody else. Correct. But I think that's usually what Disney wants. Like, we yep. can't let somebody else have these people. You got it. But we have to kneecap her. Bingo. Bingo. Yeah. And I think that's what we started to see. Uh, we had October 3rd, 2018, John Favreau released the name and first details of his Disney Plus show, The Mandalorian. Mm-hmm. That got fan base excited. On yeah. February 8th, 2019. See, things are speeding up, Stephen. February 8, 2019. Mm-hmm. Kiri Hart, gone. No longer head of Lucas Story Group. Lucasfilm Story Group. Yeah. She's gone. And the Lucasfilm Story Group went through an overhaul. It's no longer mm-hmm. Kathleen Kennedy and her 11 wise women. That's that's done. The <laughs> Story Group is now a mix of men and women, which is what it mm-hmm. should have been from the start. But anyhow, right. so we've now gotten rid of the all-female story group, Kiri Hart's gone. Then in April 11 of 2019, Iger stated that Star Wars movies would go on hiatus, that Disney would Mm -hmm. take a pause for some time and reset. Steven, this was huge news. Mm -hmm. I mean, massive news, Steven. You don't simply pause like this when you have a successful franchise you don't you do this when you're scared and you're about to perform some serious damage control this was a this was a pretty huge shocking moment steven that that statement that had yeah. to be like that that had to be very embarrassing for disney very embarrassing 
That stunned oh, me. Yeah, Did that surprise absolutely. you when that came out? Um, I was surprised that Bob Iger took the heat for it. Yeah. Personally, I was. Yeah. It was like, wow. Okay, so, well, we all knew something was wrong, but like that's like that's when you found, fire like the category five, like something something really bad's going on. <laughs> right. Because um, usually Disney, I mean, Disney makes bombs all the time. Sure. There's at least one movie a year yeah. that's a complete disaster. And they just plot through just. Yeah, they're just smiling. Oh, whatever, whatever. you know. So they find some way to spin it and just or just forget about it and yeah, move on. That's right. But this was like, wow, like, okay. <laughs> and then the news got even bigger. So now you've got Kathleen Kennedy. We've got John Favreau. He's a he's his show is officially told to the public. Kiri Hart. Mm-hmm. Kathleen Kennedy's right-hand woman is gone. Her Lucasfilm group is remade. Mm-hmm. And now in June 17, 2019. Disney makes Michelle Rejwan the new Star Wars senior vice president of live action development and production. This is huge. Rejwan will now oversee a slate of feature films and episodic series for Lucasfilm and Disney Plus and continue to produce with Kennedy as the Star Wars franchise is built out. Kennedy said that Rejwan will be shaping the future in all areas of story development for movies and Disney Plus now. You mentioned kneecapping before, Stephen. That's your kneecapping. Iger tells yeah. Kennedy, I can't get rid of you, but I can break up your story group. I can get rid of your head your head uh, woman from the story group, and I can take your ability, your power, to control the stories for the movies and TV shows. Mm-hmm. I can take that from you and give it to someone else. Yeah. That's getting kneecapped. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Without a doubt. It's... Yeah, so like just just do what Alan Horn does. When something comes in front of him, he says, okay, and then it goes out. That's all you have to do. <laughs> and that's essentially where that's essentially where we see Iger putting Kathleen Kennedy. Which mm-hmm. honestly, Stephen, probably suits her talents more. Yeah, I think so. I mean Yeah, she's a producer. She's not a storyteller. Bingo. And I you think Rejwan is a better person for the storytelling aspect than Kennedy. I think that was a smart mm-hmm. move. Um, yeah, and definitely. so a lot's going on as 2019 is starting to, is starting to wrap up. We mm-hmm. also have in May, uh, yeah. 31, 2019 galaxy's edge opens up in Disneyland, Steven. Mm-hmm. Now I got to remember leading up to galaxy's edge opening up, keep in mind galaxy's edge, Steven, the two lands, Disneyland and Disney world mm-hmm. combined cost $2 billion. To build. That's a lot of coins. You drop $2 billion building these two lands, uh, you're expecting it to generate you a lot of money really fast. Okay. Yeah. Well, it opens on May 31, 2019 in Disneyland to low numbers. In mm-hmm. fact, Disneyland attendance actually dropped. And Iger has egg on his face because before Galaxy's Edge opened, he is boasting about how attendance is going to be so huge Mm-hmm. That they don't even need to advertise. Oh dear. Well, Galaxy's uh, Edge then opens up in Walt Disney World on August 19, 2019, and it gets mm-hmm. small crowds too. Far smaller than what Disney had been expecting, expecting or planning mm-hmm. for. I mean, I'm I'm a huge, uh, as you know, I love going to Disney World. It's my happy place. I love staying at the love Polynesian Resort. Yep. Polynesian <laughs> Resort with the lovely Hawaiian music and a nice mm, alcoholic beverage in my hand, sitting by the pool. Ah, I love it. So anyhow, uh, <laughs> he, I, he, he, 
I can tell you this. There are a lot of photos from Galaxy's Edge with no crowd. <laughs> mm -hmm. That's unusual for a new land. Yeah. So at this point, it's, it's poor Iger is just freaking out. You got the fan base mad at you. You got your box office doing poorly. Your consumer uh, products isn't selling well. And now, and now the parks are being affected. And make no mistake, the parks, the cruise lines, and the resorts is those are the big money makers for Disney. Overall, those are the real big money that's makers. Their, yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. That's their primary source of like, income. It's uh, the decision behind pretty much everything they do. Well, at least one of the decisions is can we turn this into something for the park? Yes, sir. You got that um, right. You got that right. Yeah. So we then have Disney's 2019 third quarter earnings report showing mm -hmm. a Another decrease in Star Wars merchandise. Disney said that, quote, the increase at our consumer products business was due to growth at our merchandise licensing and retail business. Growth at merchandise licensing was primarily due to higher revenue from merchandise based on Toy Story. Uh-huh. Partially mm -hmm. offset by a decrease from Star Wars merchandise. Yeah. So it's it's public knowledge. It's just it's it's too big to fail is failing yeah. all over. It, it's it's the Star Wars franchise, Steven, has sprung leaks in literally every mm -hmm. facet of Disney's business. Yeah. If I can, just for a moment, because we're talking about merchandise, what exactly were they making in those movies that was merchandisable? Like Bingo. The sequels? Thank you. The Porgs, like the, the <laughs> like Kylo Ren's lightsaber. Is there anything else that's like, oh, we got to make this a toy? Right. Or, oh, I'd buy that. Or, oh, this would be a great playset. Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> there was nothing. Nothing at yeah. all. That's something George Lucas always seemed to know, Stephen. Oh, yeah. George Lucas knew when he, knew when he was making a movie what would be a good toy. What would, what would be a cool toy to own? He knew this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he did. That was that was one of his many that was one of his gifts. Yes, as a sir. Filmmaker. But that's a good point. Yeah. They really you look at those sequel movies, nothing. Yeah. Very little. Very little. Yeah. Um <laughs> So, next thing coming, I mean, 2019, the hits keep coming, Stephen, in 2019. Fast and Furious, a lot of things are happening. Iger releases yeah. his book, his autobiography, The Ride of a Lifetime, on September 23rd, 2019. Uh, this yeah. was interesting, Stephen. This is very interesting. Mm -hmm. In the book, he, Iger heaps praise, I mean, lavish praise, on Marvel Studios president Kevin Feige. Just praises the hell out mm -hmm. of the guy. Yeah. He even takes time, dedicates time in the book to talk about 2018's Black Panther, and mm -hmm. 2019's Avengers Endgame. Yeah. Well, then came the chapter on Lucasfilm, Stephen. Uh, he did mention Kathleen Kennedy, but the comments were way more measured, far less diffusive mm -hmm. than what he said about Feige. And yeah. he did not mention at all The Last Jedi or Solo. Mm -hmm. At all. Yeah. These are all signs. <laughs> These are all signs yeah. as to what the head man is thinking, right? The uh, mm -hmm. In September 25th, 2019, Disney then dropped another bomb. I mean, the, th the bombs keep hitting on poor Kathleen Kennedy at this point. 2019, 2019 was not a good year for her. Uh, the, no. Disney announced that Kevin Feige himself would be developing his own Star Wars movie, full autonomy over it. Steven, mm -hmm. now this is the now the second big name talent brought into Lucasfilm, mm -hmm. given high-profile pro projects and full autonomy, don't have to report to Kennedy. Mm 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Kennedy's already lost the ability to control the stories, and now she's got two big name creators coming in that she has no input on at all. Mm-hmm. You can see what's happening. It's be- it's be- what what people were talking yeah. about in whispers was now becoming painfully obvious, right? Uh, on November 12, 2019, The Mandalorian debuted on Disney Plus. And make no mistake, Stephen, I don't think I'm exaggerating. I really don't think I am. When I said, sorry, when I say, Disney really did bet everything on The Mandalorian rescuing Star Wars. I think they, I think Iger pushed all of his chips on Favreau and The Mandalorian mm-hmm. and was like, save oh, my franchise. Yeah. Oh, not just that, but I mean, Disney Plus was Iger's, that was his baby. That was his net, his big thing. Good point. Um, that was his Netflix competitor. Like he had, they had to make it work. So they had to have something there. Good point. And, um, good point. No, th- because it- when you talk about like, yeah, we talk about like new content. I mean, like Disney Plus doesn't really have much of anything that's like, oh, I really have to watch that except for. The, the, Mandalorian. the Mandalorian. You're right. And now the the Marvel shows are starting to come out, but for about a year, that was about all that they had. That was, was it. The Mandalorian. Yeah, that was yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, but so you're right. It, Iger was betting. You're right. Iger was betting on Mandalorian saving the Star Wars franchise and also being the linchpin for a successful Disney Plus launch. That's a yep. lot to put on what on John Favreau <laughs> and his show, wouldn't you say? Yeah. That's a lot. Mm-hmm. And. If, Steven, imagine if the Mandalorian had failed. Where would Star Wars be right now if the Mandalorian had completely failed? I I really don't know. I think that um, I think that as far as the movies go, like as players, like because they pushed like the next one's not coming out till like next year or something. Anyway, yeah, I feel like they could have used that as time to like recover and like okay, what do we do with the movies? The TV show idea they had. Mm-hmm. They 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 would have to completely re rescrap that. I agree. And do the whole thing over again because something obviously just didn't work. Yeah. And and well, as we saw with the season two, like they literally are building everything off of that show. Right. So, right. It is the spine you know, for all the shows. It appears. You know. And yeah. and and I think you would agree that if it if Mandalorian was not if it had failed, then Disney mm-hmm. Plus would not have enjoyed the the successful first year that it's had. There's no way. No, there, no, absolutely not. Because I mean, nothing else was ready. No, they didn't launch with anything no. ready except for the Mandalorian. Yep. yep. Which um. Yep. That's risky. Which so it was amazing to me. Yeah, me too. Because I was like, I mean, other than I mean, having the entire Disney library is a is an oh, enticing thing to have. Absolutely. Of course. Oh, if you have kids, you'd probably uh, get the you'd probably get the service if you had yeah. kids just just for that just to be able to put that on and just have it play yeah. all day long. You know what I mean? To have yeah. your kids mm-hmm. occupied. That would that would sell yeah. a few subscriptions, no doubt. But I know a lot of oh, people, yeah. Stephen, a lot of people were buying that service because they wanted to see the Mandalorian. Make no mistake. Mm-hmm. A lot of people who didn't have little kids, okay? Maybe that's the way I should right. phrase it. Well, Stephen, The Mandalorian, <laughs> massive hit. It's huge. Mm-hmm. We're in November of 2019. It's a huge hit. Yeah. And then December 20 rolls around, and man, Rise of Skywalker's got is probably like yeah, Mandalorian. Talk about sucking all the oxygen up in the room. Because <laughs> all people want to talk about Stephen was who Baby Yoda. That's who everybody wanted yeah. to talk about. Nobody wanted to talk about a, a you know freaky weird. Uh, 
Emperor Palpatine zombie guy. Nobody want to talk about that. Uh, so no. So December twenty twenty eighteen. Not not without making fun of it. Well, yeah, exactly. No. <laughs> so Rise of Skywalker comes out, Stephen, and its worldwide box office is one billion seventy four million and change. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I feel like the Debbie Downer music probably would have been better for that one. No! Oh, you, you, you would have preferred something like this? <laughs> yes! <laughs> okay. All right. Okay. Um, so, yeah, that, that, that box office, Stephen, was a joke. That's a bad number. Yeah. That's a bad number. Yeah. How bad? Well, Stephen, it's nearly identical to what Rogue One got you. Which Disney mm-hmm. itself called a small Star Wars a small movie. Small movie. Yep. So it's only 18 million difference between Rogue One. It's almost a full one billion less than The Force Awakens. Just mm-hmm. four years earlier, Stephen. In just yeah. four years. That's a bad sign. Mm-hmm. That's not and good. Let's not forget, it took forever to cross the billion dollar mark. Oh God, yes, it, it, they had it in the movie theaters for. Ever, Stephen, because they couldn't yeah. pull it out until it crossed over a billion. They couldn't mm-hmm. have that kind of they couldn't have that kind of embarrassment. Yep. No way. That's right. So what's hilarious is, of course, you know, in the wake of this 2020, of course, the year of the pandemic, everything has been put on its, you know, flipped on its head. And yeah. uh, you know, it's it's given time because everything has kind of been paused. You can't film a lot of things, a lot of things have been shut down, obviously. Mm-hmm it's given people to a time to really reflect and review upon the sequels. Mm-hmm. And I love how a legendary author, Alan Dean Foster, all star Wars mm-hmm. fans know who that is. Yeah. He came out just recently in December of 2020 and talked about how he hated last Jedi and uh, wasn't a fan mm-hmm. of rise of Skywalker either. And, uh, he was inspired to, uh, write the proper ending. To the sequels. He actually, Stephen, wrote, <laughs> sat down to write a proper ending. <laughs> like, for example, I think he made Ray, he he revealed that Ray was half droid, and that's how she was able to be like, boom, force expert automatically. Uh, just, it was, but look, it, you don't want legendary names associated with Star Wars, like Alan Dean Foster coming out and saying yeah. stuff like this. And having to rewrite stuff. It, it just, it doesn't look good. It doesn't yeah. look good. And so I think that this kind of brings us to where we are right now. You know, in this weird pandemic right. world, this is where we are. Uh, one thing I didn't, I didn't mention during this whole timeline, Stephen, but I want to kind of bring in as kind of an, a little on the side uh, information is the comic books because they don't really matter mm-hmm. in the grand tale of Lucasfilm right. and Kathleen Kennedy and Iger and Favreau and Feige and all that. You know, they don't really factor right. in. But it is it is interesting just to see maybe how the popularity has gone. Right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Marvel released Star Wars number one. Mm-hmm. It was technically a relaunch since Star Wars number one first came out in the nineteen seventies. The original Star Wars number one did. But mm-hmm. this relaunch series came out on January 2015, and it sold over a million units. Okay? That made mm-hmm. it the biggest comic book <laughs> sale 
the biggest comic book sales number since 1993. I mean, that's just huge. That that's ridiculous. Mm. Just yeah. stupid huge. Yeah. But fast forward to just a few years later, July of 2018, the top Star Wars book sold just 60,000 units. Yeah. Fast forward to the most recent numbers, according to the Comic Cron, great website. Go there for all your mm -hmm. uh, all all the information you want about sales numbers for comics. October 2020 is the most recent numbers that they have. Okay, it's a little bit more of a challenge for them to get the numbers now that you've got like 50 billion, billion different distributors for Marvel and DC. <laughs> it's a little more complicated, right? But October 2020, Star Wars Darth Vader number six sold between 34,000 38,000 units. Star Wars number seven sold between 32,500 and 35,000 units. Star Wars Bounty Hunters number six sold between 21,500 and 24,000 units. And Star Wars mm -hmm. Dr. Aphra number five sold 22,000 to 24,000 units. And then IDW's, mm -hmm. why IDW's making a Star Wars comic? I Disney. know, I know. This drives me insane. <laughs> Anyhow, Star Wars Adventures number one sold about 22,000 to 27,000 units. So, mm -hmm. meh, you know, it, it just really is there just to kind of color in a little bit of the image as far as the success or lack thereof. It's not really yeah. part of the, the real story because as, as comic book fans, Stephen, we know that comics don't matter anymore. Well, Stephen, that takes us up to the present day. Okay, this is going to yeah. end part one for us. But before we put a bow in this and move on, mm -hmm. as we've taken a trip through Amnesia Lane to look at the, <laughs> the, the, the past of, of Disney Star Wars, what is your yeah. takeaway as we sit here? Right now, after going through that timeline, what is your takeaway about maybe what what Disney what did and didn't could, work? Yeah, what didn't didn't work and what they probably yeah. shouldn't have done. Um, well, I think just as a business story, it's very fascinating how all this has played out. Because um, you have so many like obvious mistakes, but then there's stuff that, you know, was was a success that I wasn't, you know, probably didn't think it was going to be that much of a success. Um, I think what they did do right, I think, I think you're right in that having someone like, like bringing in somebody like John Favreau, who's like in the movie business, mm. pairing him up with someone who's very much into the Star Wars business, yes. Dave Filoni. That was probably their most successful partnership. Mm -hmm. um, the biggest, the best decision they ever made, I think, was doing that. Um, I also think that I don't think the idea of doing sequels was a bad idea right? and having different characters and stuff, but other than the stuff with like Filoni and, uh, and Favreau, I mean, I think a lot of it has been, at least on the movie side, has just been a cascading series of why did you do that? Right. Yes. Um, I think their biggest mistake was not having a story outline that people Agreed. had to follow. Agreed. Agreed. Um, I think the second biggest problem was just that um, for some reason, Kathleen Kennedy just could never hold on to talent for more than a couple of months nope. for some reason. Nope. Um, it's like, if you hire the people, let them do what you hired them to do. Yep. And you know, and let it, let it go from there. It's, it was just, it's embarrassing. Like it was a meme for a while yeah. that, you know, like right after they announced that rogue squadron with Patty Jenkins, I'm like, well, I can't wait for six months from now until she leaves the project due to <laughs> creative differences. Sure. Sure. And, um, 
And I think those are probably the two the two biggest things. I mean, obviously we can get into like stuff about like the individual movies, what right. worked, what didn't work. Right. Right. Uh, da, 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 da. But I think that was, that was it. Cause it's just, and obviously their treatment of the fans. Now I'm, I'm personally one of those people that I think the giving the fans such a say in mm-hmm. how things are made was a bit of a mistake Yep. because you know, the, the worst elements of the fandom are the ones who yep. are coming out more and whatnot. Sure. But, you know, you, you have to toe the line in a way that just makes sense. Yeah, you know, agreed. That shows you still want to make money. <laughs> yes, absolutely. But, um, yeah, I think, I mean, that's that's the, that's the probably just my general takeaway. It's just, just, and, well, the biggest thing is this. Put somebody in charge of Star Wars who actually likes Star Wars. Yes. Right. Yes. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. Uh, you're, you're. I think you, you pretty much touched on the same things I would have mentioned. I mean, I think the treatment, you just, you, when you're the person in the position of power, which mm-hmm. the Lucasfilm people are, you have the power. Mm-hmm. You're creating everything. The consumer right. is not. The consumer is consuming. You're creating. You have the power. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, you're also dependent on me liking you enough to give you my money and lots right. of it. So... When you have the power, you don't punch down. Right. You don't punch down. Okay. Mm-hmm. You, you just don't. That You don't. That's what people without power yeah. do. Okay. You don't yeah, punch exactly. down. You don't go to war with your fan base. You don't call mm-hmm. them names. If there is someone who truly isn't a jerk, you simply block them and move on with your day. Yeah. That's how you handle it. Mm-hmm. And I think that was a bad idea. How they treated the fans was a bad idea. And you can't paint all the fans who are complaining with the same brush as a few of the really bad people. You can't do that. Right. You can't do that. Okay. And mm-hmm. I think the whole idea of starting Star Wars off as like a gender studies class with an all female story group is weird. That's mm-hmm. just, that's weird. It's weird. Yeah. It that's comes up, it comes across very much as the, um, the, you know, the white, the, the old white man at the top saying, we're going to be diverse. <laughs> yeah. Yes. It's weird. It's because just a that's strange. That's what the kids are into. The kids are into. <laughs> it's, yeah. It, it's yes. an odd approach. It's not how I would have probably decided to kick off handling Star Wars. It's just, it's weird. Yeah. Anyhow, Stephen, I think this is a good time to put a pin in it here. Mm-hmm. All right. Good, good first podcast back. In our in our yeah, second, I, in our, so. I guess officially our second season, Stephen. Uh, excellent, excellent way to kick it off. I'm excited. Mm-hmm. I'm looking forward to coming back for part two to talk about the current mm-hmm. and uh, stuff that we have in the near future because it's going to be fun and exciting to really get into that, get into the nitty gritty. And mm-hmm. I'm kind of interested, Stephen, because we haven't talked too much about it, but I'm really interested to get your opinion on a few of the new stuff coming out. I'm I'm excited. To, yeah, curious to hear that. Mm-hmm. As always. You guys can check us out at comicbookrevolution.com. All the reviews, news, mm. opinions, and whatnot. Kevin has probably posted five reviews during the time we've done this podcast. Probably, yeah. Not only can you check out uh, the reviews there, <laughs> there's also we also do a second podcast. Steven was on it with Kevin. You guys did a That's deep right. dive. Did you not do a deep dive into, I believe it was JLA Avengers? Yes. Not only the greatest comic book of all time, of oh, course. There you go. Uh, the fact that it wasn't three hours wasn't a deep enough dive for me. But, you know, I really loved having that talk, getting to talk to him about it. Yeah, it yeah. was a lot of fun. 
That's awesome. So you can obviously go to the uh, go to our website and check it out. The, that podcast is yeah. is called the Backlog Journey Podcast. Mm-hmm. So you can check out episode one there and get it from any any of the places where you get your podcasts. Of course, you can check us out on Facebook. We have a Comic Book Revolution Facebook page. You can check us out on Twitter at CB Revolution. You can check me out on Twitter at Rock Two Ks Revolution Stephen. And you can find me on Twitter at President Glupper. So in 10 years, y'all know where to come when you decide to rehabilitate the sequel trilogy. <laughs> Fantastic. All right, my friend. Yeah. And just me. Rock asks you not to do that to him. That's right. That's right. Me. That's right. Yeah. Just even, please. Just even. <laughs> yeah. uh, all right, my friend. Until next time, viva la revolucion. <laughs>